If you're on here on here with us live on Facebook, uh, turn to Genesis chapter 29. I'll give you a second to turn there. This is the scripture we're going to be reading from, verses 1 through 20. I'll give you just a second to flip there. All right, in honor of Pastor Jesse, I know I don't have really anybody here but Pastor Leto, but if you're there, comment word. So we're going to read verses 1 through 20, and starting in verse 1. Then Jacob went on his journey and came to the land of the people of the east. As he looked, he saw a well in the field, and behold, three flocks of sheep lying beside it. For out of that well the flocks were watered. The stone on the well's mouth was large, and when all the flocks were gathered there, the shepherds would roll the stone from the mouth of the well and water the sheep, and put the stone back in its place over the mouth of the well. Jacob said to them, My brothers, where do you come from? They said, We are from Haran. He said to them, Do you know Laban, the son of Nahor? They said, We know him. He said to them, Is it well with him? They said, It is well, and see, Rachel his daughter is coming with the sheep. He said, Behold, it is still high day. It is not time for the livestock to be gathered together. Water the sheep and go, pasture them. But they said, We cannot until all the flocks are gathered together, and the stone is rolled from the mouth of the well. Then we water the sheep. While he was still speaking with them, Rachel came with her father's sheep, for she was a shepherdess. Now as soon as Jacob saw Rachel, the daughter of Laban, his mother's brother, and the sheep of Laban, his mother's brother, uh, Jacob came near and rolled the stone from the well's mouth and watered the flock of Laban, his mother's brother. Then Jacob kissed Rachel and wept aloud. And Jacob told Rachel that he was her father's kinsman, and that he was Rebekah's son, and she ran and told her father. As soon as Laban heard the news about Jacob, his sister's son, he ran to meet him and embraced him and kissed him and brought him to his house. Jacob told Laban all these things, and Laban said to him, Surely you are my bone and my flesh. And he stayed with him a month. Then Laban said to Jacob, Because you are my kinsman, should you therefore serve me for nothing? Tell me, what shall your wages be? Now Laban had two daughters. The, older, the name of the older was Leah, and the name of the younger was Rachel. Leah's eyes were weak, but Rachel was beautiful in form and appearance. Jacob loved Rachel. And he said, I will serve you seven years for your younger daughter, Rachel. Laban said, It is better that I give her to you than I should give her to any other man. Stay with me. So Jacob served seven years for Rachel, and they seemed to him but a few days because of the love he had for her. Amen. Amen, amen. Thank you, Colby, for reading that. And thank you, church, for joining with us on this beautiful Easter sunrise morning. Um, I've, I've heard that we have some bad weather on the way, and I'm so grateful that the Lord has held off the storms um, until later on so that we can actually do this and you can see the beautiful sunrise behind us. Um, it is indeed a beautiful day. We are going to rejoice and be glad in it. The, the churches may be empty today, but so was the tomb. And that gives us so much reason to rejoice. It's such an honor and a privilege to be with you. Um, as Colby has already read our text, we're going to go ahead and uh, begin prayer and we'll dive right in. I don't anticipate this taking um, more than 20 minutes, so we should be wrapping up right around 7.30, but I'm, I'm really appreciative of your time this morning. And I promise if you just hang with us, you'll it's sure to be a blessing. God's Word never returns void. So let us pray. Um, Heavenly Father, before we go to your book, Lord, we go to you. And we ask you to bless our time today. 
Father, you are amazing. You are wonderful. Uh, you have created everything by, by just words that come from your mouth, Father. And we ask that you would renew and create in us this morning, Father, a right spirit, Lord. Lord, we confess that we need you. We do nothing apart from you. Lord, you are the vine. We are the branches. If we do not abide in you, then there will be no fruit. So, Father, please let us bear fruit today. Lord, we're so thankful for what has happened on Good Friday. We're so thankful for what has happened in the life of Christ and in the death of Christ on Good Friday, Lord. But we are also so grateful for what took place this morning, Lord. For everything else would have been in vain if He had not rose from the dead. Because that proved He is who He said that He was, Father. And so that we may also just join in that celebration and we might experience resurrection from the dead as well. Thank You, Father. Bless our time today. Open up ears and hearts and minds. Use me however you see fit to proclaim your word through your spirit to your people. We ask that this be done for your glory and their good. In Christ's name, amen. Charles Spurgeon, also known as the Prince of Preachers, once gave advice to a young man on how to approach the Bible. He said, young man, don't you know? That from every town, in every village, in every little hamlet in England, wherever it may be, that there is a road that leads to London. And thus, from every text in Scripture, there is a road that leads to Christ. My dear brother, your business is when you get to a text, say to yourself, what is the road that leads to Christ? My aim this morning is to not only find that road, but also share with others its destination. I know this text is a little unusual for an Easter sunrise, but this is an unusual Easter for us. But I promise as we look at this word, we're going to be able to see some sweet similarities between Jacob and Jesus. And I want you to come away with at least three things, maybe more, but three things for sure. Number one, see how both of them hunt for their bride. Number two, see how both of them have to overcome obstacles that separate them. And then number three, I want us to reflect on what our response should be as a result. As we look to, at verses one through three, it says that Jacob went on his journey and came to the land of the people of the east. And as he looked, he saw a well in the field. And behold, there were three flocks of sheep laying beside it. For out of the well, the flocks were watered. But the stone on the mouth of the well was large. And when all the flocks were gathered there, then the shepherds, notice it's plural, the shepherds would roll the stone away from the mouth of the well and water the sheep and put the stone back in its place over the mouth of the well. Now in this story, we are introduced to a man named Jacob right off the bat. If you don't know who he is, Jacob is currently on a journey in search of his bride. He was commissioned by his father and his mother. And we know this from backing up just two chapters before where his mother and father directed him to go out and find a man named Laban. For once you find that man, you will also find your bride. We also see that the, the setting of the story soon takes shape as well. We see in the midst of a dry and weary land, flocks of sheep have been gathered around a place where they might find rest and refreshment. Perhaps the sheep are weary from the harsh Middle Eastern climate. We are told that the flocks are lying beside a well, wanting and waiting 
to be refreshed by its water. But they face a few problems. There's a large stone separating them from its life-giving supply of fresh water. And with them being sheep, they are totally unable to move this stone by themselves and therefore unable to quench their thirst as a result. Undoubtedly, this is a very large stone and it's heavy because the text say, the text says that it, the task was usually completed by a group of shepherds. In verse three, we read that they are waiting for the moment when all of the flocks have been gathered. It could be that they only wanted to do this task once because of the extreme effort it would take to move that stone. As we journey further into the story, I want you to ask yourself a couple reflective questions along the way. Ask yourself, which character could you identify with most and why? Be sure to give an honest examination of the current condition of your soul. Are you like Jacob? Laban? One of his daughters? Or perhaps you are like the sheep in this passage, in a place of waiting and wanting and hoping that someone or something will come along and ease your suffering by opening up what has been closed off to you. If you are longing for the thirst of your soul to finally be, be quenched, there is good news on the horizon this morning. There is a light that is approaching and it is strong enough to scatter the deepest depths of darkness. But what is that hope? And where can we find it? Over and over again, the Scriptures compare Jesus Christ to a groom and His church to His bride. The Bible teaches us that like Jacob, Jesus has been commissioned by His Father to go out in search of His bride. Maybe you will feel Him lovingly pursuing you this morning. My prayer is that this very morning, you will hear His voice being spoken through His Word and be eternally united to the lover of your soul. Even in the midst of some of the world's darkest moments of social separation, you no longer have to be alone. You no longer have to keep wanting and waiting, wishing and hoping for better days. As we come to the next part of the story, verses 4-8, through eight, we're going to see that there's something that separates Jacob from his bride. Jacob says to them, My brothers, where did you come from? And they said, We are from Haran. And he said to them, Do you know Laban, the son of Nahor? And they said, We know him. He said to them, Is it well with him? They said, It is well. And see, Rachel, his daughter, is coming with the sheep. He said, Behold, it is still high day. It is not time for the livestock to be gathered together. Water the sheep and go pasture them. But they said to him, We cannot until all of the flocks are gathered together and the stone is rolled from the mouth of the well. For then we will water the sheep. As in every great story, we soon see a conflict arise, a problem that must be overcome. Jacob has finally found his future bride, but still a few things are separating them. Timing, other men being around, and a large stone that must be moved. And Jacob sets out at once to remove all of these problems. Perhaps driven by a desire to be alone with Rachel, Jacob asks the other men, he says, go and water the sheep, go pasture them. And the man responds by saying, it's not the proper time for this. 
Besides, look at that giant rock in the way. Allow me to ask you some personal questions. What is currently standing in the way of you and Jesus this morning? What separates you from the lover of your soul today? Do you ever tell yourself, I'm not ready to settle down with Jesus just yet. I have a few other things that I want to do before I surrender my life to Him. Maybe there are other people in your life that are standing in the way of your union with Him. Temporary relationships that could be hindering you from an eternal one. Or maybe, just maybe, you see this huge mound of sin that separates you from a holy God. You see an unmovable stone of sin that seems to be shutting you off from your Savior. All of these reasons would leave one wanting and waiting for something so much more. Wishing and hoping to finally quench that thirst. Hold on. Help is on the way. There is encouragement to be found in this story. There is good news in this gospel. As we see in verses 9-12, through 12, the groom removes what separates him from his bride. While Jacob was, was still speaking with these men, Rachel came with her father's sheep, for she was a, shep a, she a shepherdress. And now, as the son, as soon as Jacob saw Rachel, the daughter of Laban, his mother's brother, and the sheep of Laban, his mother's brother, Jacob came near and he rolled the stone from the mouth of the well, and he watered the flock of Laban, his mother's brother. And then Jacob kissed Rachel and wept aloud. And Jacob told Rachel that he was her father's kinsman and that he was Rebekah's son. And she ran and she told her father. In this story, we see Jacob is overcome with a desire for his bride. He single-handedly removes this large stone from the mouth of the well so that the sheep may finally be watered. In one fell swoop, the obstacles separating Jacob from his bride have been dealt with extraordinarily. We know from previous texts that Jacob is not known for his strength. In fact, Jacob was sort of a softy. He hung out with tents in tents with his mother while his older brother would be out hunting game for his father. This, is, this was an undeniably extraordinary feat for him to accomplish. And similarly, on this day, 2,020 years ago, we remember Jesus Christ, the Son of Man, who was also driven by an immense love for His bride and empowered through the Spirit of God, removed another huge stone of separation. A stone that could not have been moved by any number of men, no matter how mighty they may be. Our groom rolled away the stone that covered His tomb the day that He overcame death in order to make a way for us to be united with Him. Brothers and sisters, this morning we reflect on the fact that the stone has been rolled away. The tomb has been emptied so that we may now be filled. I plead with you, as it says in Revelation twenty-two seventeen, the Spirit and the bride say, Come, and let the one who hears say, Come, and let the one who is thirsty come. Let the one who wishes to take the water of life without cost come at no cost to you, but at a grave cost to Jesus Christ. Again, I plead with you, come. Realize that the well has now been opened to you 
Come and drink deep gulps of Christ and finally quench the thirst of your soul. And finally, find rest and peace in life. For if you drink of this living water, there is an eternal promise. You will never thirst again. And similarly to Jacob rolling away the stone from the mouth of the well, when Jesus rolled away an even greater stone from the mouth of His tomb. But what Christ has accomplished is an act that can never be undone. You see, Jesus is the true Good Shepherd who not only hunts down His lost sheep, but He lays His life down for them on the cross. And in so doing, He opened up His veins, which flowed of this life-giving water, which He now calls out to His flock, Come, drink, and find rest. Church, is this not amazingly good news? This is undeniably amazing good news. Look at verses 13 and 14. As soon as Laban heard this good news about Jacob, his sister's son, he ran to meet him. He embraced him. He kissed him. He brought him into his house. And Jacob told Laban all of these things. And Laban said to him, Surely you are my bone and my flesh. And he stayed with him a month. So my question to you is, are you aware of this good news? And if so, does your life reflect it with joy? Like Laban, can you now, do you now experience the blessings of having that groom dwell with you? Can you claim as Laban has that you are now a part of the body of Christ, bone of his bone and flesh of his flesh, forever a part of his eternal body? If so, the light of that truth causes for so much joy and celebration. Rejoicing, no matter how dark the situations that may surround it. Church, this is a treasure that is too great for us to simply bury in a field. This is a light that shines too bright for us to hide under a bush. No, instead, we should partake in the great commission given by Christ and spread that good news to all the ends of the earth until every lost sheep ear has heard the good news and heard its shepherd's voice and been gathered. As we look at the final couple verses of this story, we can see that a debt had to first been paid. A work had to have been accomplished before this happened. In verses 15 through 20, we see Laban said to Jacob, Because you are my kinsman, should you therefore serve me for nothing? Tell me, what shall your wages be? Now Laban had two daughters. The name of the older was Leah, and the name of the younger was Rachel. Leah's eyes were weak, but Rachel was beautiful in form and appearance. Jacob loved Rachel, and he said, I will serve you seven years for your younger daughter, Rachel. Laban said, It is better that I give her to you than I should give her to any other man. Stay with me. So Jacob served him seven years for Rachel, and they seemed to him but a few days because of the love that he had for her. In the ancient Near East, it was customary. It was a requirement for a prospective groom to pay a debt known as the bride price if he wished to purchase his bride from her father. And similarly to Jacob working seven years to pay the bride price of his beautiful bride, Rachel, Good Friday points to another, even greater bride price being paid through the death of Jesus Christ. In 1 Peter 1, verses 18-19, through 19, it says that we were ransomed 
from the futile ways we inherited from our forefathers, but not with perishable things like silver or gold, but with the precious blood of Jesus Christ, like that of a lamb without blemish or spot. Jacob reflected Jesus by accomplishing all of the work that was necessary for his union to his bride to be made possible. And one of the best parts about this story is that he was more than willing to do so. Look at verse 20 one more time. It says that Jacob served seven years for Rachel and they seemed to him but a few days because of his love for her. If you want to see a far more profound and perfect example of love, turn your eyes to Jesus Christ, the author and the perfecter of your faith, who for the joy that was set before Him endured the cross. He served a lifetime and He now serves us in eternity, interceding for us in prayer. Why? Because of His great love for us, His bride, to make that way. Jesus reflects a far greater example than Jacob ever could. For Jacob loved Rachel because she was lovely. But if we're honest, we are only lovely because of God's great love for us. His love changes us. It transforms us that we might be renewed and redeemed back into His original purpose for His bride. Remember, we were originally made in the image of God. But we were soon scarred and marred by sin from the fall. And Christ has come back to take back that curse upon Himself so that He may purify His bride and redeem her eternally to Himself. I once heard it put this way, God loves us just the way we are, but He loves us too much to leave us that way. Church, this morning, turn your eyes to Jesus. And not only on this Sunday, but on every Sunday. On every single day of your life. I pray that we would look to the Scriptures which speak not just of man, but of the Son of Man. I'm remembered of what Christ spoke of in John 5.39. He says, You search these Scriptures because in them you think that you have eternal life. But it is them that bear witness about Me. J.C. Ryle put it this way, To study the Scriptures and miss Christ is like a man who studies the solar system but leaves out the sun. It's the center of it all. No wonder some people find their Bibles dull. How could you gaze upon a beautiful sunrise and miss the source of it all? Perhaps there are some things in your way this morning that are impeding your vision. Clouds over your horizon. Obstacles obscuring your view. Or maybe the problem is with your vision itself. Whatever it may be, cry out with the words of the blind beggar. Jesus, Son of David, have mercy on me. He longs to make these truths clear to you. He has sent His Holy Spirit to lead you into these beautifully profound and powerful truths that will leave you changed forever as you encounter this relationship with your Redeemer. Now, as we close, I have a few charges for you. To the church, the next time you read through God's Word, consider Ryle's words. 
In every part of both Testaments, Christ is to be found dimly and indistinctly at the beginning, more clearly and plainly in the middle, fully and completely at the end, but really and substantially everywhere. Like a sunrise, the life-giving light of Christ shines brighter and brighter with every single turn of the page. Christ's sacrifice and death for sinners and Christ's kingdom and future glory are the light that we must bring to bear on any book of Scripture we read. Find the road in God's Word that leads to Jesus Christ and then, through the Holy Spirit's guidance and empowering, lead others down it as well until we reach our eternal destination. If you're watching this video on Facebook and you're lost, I plead with you. Today, if you hear the, his, if you hear your groom's voice lovingly calling out to you through his word as he hunts for you, don't harden your heart in rebellion. Surrender to the truth that Jesus Christ is the one true bridegroom. Come to know that salvation is found in him alone. Come and behold what he has done for you. He has removed everything that separated you from Him. He has made a way. He has accomplished every single requirement necessary. And all that's left for you to do is respond. If in the story you identified more with Leah than Rachel and you still feel a little left out and alone, I want to encourage you. Pick up a Bible. Hold the very Word of God in your hands and see for yourself how this story turns out. And not, not only this story, but others as well. Begin to taste and see that the Lord is good. Drink of His life-giving water and you will soon find that you are not only made well, but also made new. We have a promise. If you do so, you will never thirst again. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, I thank You for Your Word. I thank You, God, for what Jesus Christ has accomplished in His life and in His death and in His resurrection that we may have life from our death, Father, because the wages of what we have earned, our payment was death. The wages of sin is death, Father, but the free gift is eternal life through Jesus Christ, Your Son. Thank You for the cross, Lord. Thank You for the empty tomb this morning. May our hearts be filled with this as a response, this joy, and may it overflow onto others. May we proclaim boldly that Your Son has risen. He is risen indeed. And because of that, we might also raise from our dead. Amen.